The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hey, good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome all of my listeners in the United States and around the world. This is Good Morning New York. I am your host, Vince Rocco. And as usual, we are coming to you live from Blastoff Productions in New York City. Uh, film producer Jane Rosenthal and her ex, Craig Hartkaff, have listed their spacious eighth-floor digs at the famed Dakota Building for $39 million. Rosenthal, who produced films including Meet the Parents, Analyze This, Meet the Fockers, and Wag the Dog, co-founded the Tribeca Film Festival with Hatkoff and Robert De Niro in 2002. The listing first reported by The Real Deal is 7,500 square feet. 7,500 square feet for $39 million. There you have it. City apartment dwellers may soon be seeing stars and other shapes, which could be lifesavers in a fire. New rules set to go into effect next year, a part of the Fire Department of New York's proposal mandating that symbols to assist the city's bravest be affixed to outside of doors in buildings that have more than eight units on each floor. Under the regulations, stars would mark main apartment entrances, followed by the apartment number, while triangles would be used to identify secondary entrances. The triangles would help firefighters know if they are trying to go through an old entrance that may be covered by drywall or blocked by furniture inside the unit. Money maven Susie Orman just sold her apartment at the Plaza Hotel for $4 million, according to City Property Records. Orman, a TV personality who doles out financial advice, sold her home for above the 3.995 asking price. Uh, the news comes as the Plaza Hotel is set to go on the auction block next month, as I reported last week on the program. The market for luxury homes in the Hamptons, the summer playground for Wall Street's wealthiest, is losing some of its luster as financial markets limp along for a second year. The average price of 10 of the 10 most expensive homes sold in this cluster of towns, villages, and hamlets on Long Island's East End was $35.5 million in 2015. 20% lower than the $44.6 million recorded the year before. That is far from calamitous, given in its second-highest average top 10 price ever and up from just $15.9 million in 2009, the year the market bottomed during the financial crisis. So, good morning, everybody. I'm well. I'm happy to uh, talk to my first guest today, Jordan Sachs. He is co- the co-founder of Bold New York, along with his partner, Todd Jacobs. He has an acute sense of timing. His personal approach, founded on the principles of persistence, integrity, and loyalty, has earned him not only an impressive referral base, but also the friendship and trust of his clients, which he values above all else. Jordan has quickly become a well-recognized force force in the real estate uh, marketplace. He prides himself on remaining abreast of current past and future New York City market conditions while consistently exploring innovative ways to transform each client's experience and the status quo. Jordan joined, uh, obtained rather his Bachelor of Science degree in Finance and Marketing from Tulane University in New Orleans, 
Prior to joining Bold, he worked at a marketing startup determined to give back to our community. Jordan is involved in numerous charitable organizations and sits on the board of Young Wellness in the Schools, or WITS. He is also an avid board member of Nestio and Real Estate Board of New York. He's an avid fitness enthusiast, golfer, and world traveler. Good morning, Jordan. Good morning. Thank you for having me. That's a pretty impressive um, <laughs> resume. Sounds I'm, a lot better coming from you. Uh, well, good. you know, first of all, I love giving back, and so whenever I see that anywhere in any charitable organization, I mean, it really means something to me. We'll talk about that, that a little later on, but I wanted to first get into your business, the business of real estate and the company that you own and have co-founded. So Bold New York in 2010 was founded uh, as one of a full uh, kind, uh, one of a kind, full service real estate consulting and brokerage firm. But since opening its doors, Bold New York has assembled a team of high caliber agents. And as someone who runs his own real estate business, I'm always e- interested in knowing how important is recruiting and how do you do it differently from other firms to achieve the teams of agents that you have right now? You know, the, the, the young upstarts, the talented, the good. How do you find these people and how important is this in running a business? Sure. Um, it's the most important part of running a business, um, specifically what we do. Um, as much as the sellers, buyers, renters, developers are our clients, the brokers are our biggest client. Um, without quality agents, um, we don't have a business. So we take the hiring process very seriously. Um, we are not one of those firms that you know, throws many against the walls. We can and see what's going to stick. We are very diligent um, in our processes, are, are somewhat lengthy, um, in developing a relationship with uh, with a potential candidate before hiring them. Um, you know, a lot of this has to do with not just your background, what's your education, what's your real estate experience. A lot of it has to do with cultural fit um, and making sure the environment for them and vice versa is conducive to being successful. Um, I think in our business, environment is important. Um, and the other people on the team are important. Um, and if there's a, if it's off, it's not going to work. Um, so I wish we, we could say we have a secret sauce to how we hire. Um, I think our secret sauce is being patient um, and doing more due diligence than the average brokerage. Um, and we want them to feel like it's a privilege to work for us, and we want them to feel like it's a privilege to have them there. And I think that's a good way to start the relationship. I mean, in this business, basically, it's all about relationships. So I, I've always believed that the relationship should start back at the ranch, so to speak, back in the office with the current, you know, management team, the founding team, whatever, because if they don't feel comfortable in their environment, they're certainly not going to feel comfortable outside the environment, and that's what their uh, developers and their clients. The other thing, too, is it's a very competitive situation here in New York City. Lots of firms, lots of old, established, larger firms, lots of smaller boutique and mid-sized firms. How do you fit in, in, in that realm of competition? Because, again, knowing you know, from my own um, business that it's hard to recruit people sometimes because you know, sometimes they think the bigger, the larger, the more grand a company is, the better fit it is for them. And I tend to disagree with them. And I was someone who came from a very large company for 10 years and went to a smaller company and life has been so much better, in my opinion. So how, you, how do you, how you, do you, you go nailed my that? pitch. It's the boutique is is in. Um, yeah. Specialized services is in. The big top five firms in New York. Um, you have to ask yourself the question as an agent: Do you want to be one of five thousand, or one of a thousand, or one of two thousand, or do you want to be a superstar in a firm that has a hundred? Um, the consumer today no longer looks at the size of firm when making the decision on who to work with. They work on the, they, they, it's about the individual and what level of service that individual can offer to the consumer. And as long as your brokerage has the tools 
the technology, the marketing capabilities to offer you, to provide to your clients, it's about you. And we tell our agents that. If you were to leave Bold New York today and go to another firm, I hope nobody leaves you. I hope all your clients stay with you because you've done a good job as an agent then. Yeah. Um, but we really pride ourselves on specialized service of getting the A-team at every meeting. Um, nobody's too big or too small for us. And, and it's gone a long way. Well, I agree with that, Ian. See, it goes back to that word relationship, as I said before, because it's really about you, the agent. It's really about what you bring to the table, what you've established and, 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 and cultivated and developed in the past. If you did that right and if you did that well, those people follow you along. I, what I think the misconception uh, is that, you know, especially for the newer agents, that if they are not working for a big company, they aren't going to get the attention that they need or they're not going to find the clients that they need, et cetera. And I have... Uh, experienced many times with agents that that's not so true. As your website states, finding a new home is one of the most important decisions we make in our lifetimes, and and clearly it is because it's a huge financial commitment. At Bold, the foundation of your business is to listen intently to your client's individual needs, whether a client is in the market for a rental sale, co-op, condo, townhouse, whatever. How do your agents address their clients' questions with honesty and transparency. What, as, as you say on your website, what is the bold approach to real estate? You know, I think you have to ask yourself as an agent, are you a transactional agent or are you a career-based agent? Mm. And I think those are the two largest differentiations in our arena as to the type of agent, the type of service you'll get. We pride ourselves on career agents. And I think a career agent looks at every deal very differently than the guy that just wants to get a transaction through. And our approach is... And you, you wouldn't think that this goes a long way because it should be a given, but honesty and transparency and understanding needs and not selling. We're not selling you. We're not going to convince you to take an apartment that it doesn't work for you. We're going to understand what you're looking for. We're going to help you. Um, I think the biggest thing is managing expectations. And then putting it at the right place at the right time. Our market is all timing. We are a supply and demand driven market. And if you are not at the right place at the right time, you will not, you know, you won't win. And it's not about being a pit bull in negotiations. It's literally about listening to clients and putting them at the right place at the right time. Talk a little bit, if you can, Jordan, or compare and contrast the difference between selling and marketing, because you hit the nail on the head. And I remember when I first interviewed at Halstead Property uh, 14 years ago and spent 10 years there. But I remember, you know, my, the guy who hired me, who's still there, said, you know, because I came from a very big technology sales background, and he said, you're not a salesperson. Forget sales. Get out of that. Get that out of your head. You're not a salesperson. You're not selling anything here. Don't come here if you think you're selling something. What is an agent really doing? Because we're not really selling something. An agent is, <clears throat> it's a sounding board. It's, it's an expert in the market, and it's an organizer. I mean, that's really what we're doing. We are organizing your, your wants and your needs and helping to facilitate the process. Transactions in New York are not easy. It's not like buying a house in the suburbs. No. And if you think you can do this alone and not be with somebody who's done this time and time again, you're going to you're going to end up hurting the process. So it's about hand-holding, understanding and managing expectations. It absolutely is and it's marketing too because you're actually presenting a product and you're bringing people in to see this product and it's like some people are going to like it, some people are not going to like it, but you're certainly not going to sell somebody on that. Uh, even if the numbers work, and it's they creativity don't like it. on that. You you have a Total ton of inventory. Your your marketplace is very competitive, and when the consumer's looking at thirty apartments online a day, what stands out in yours? What have you done to differentiate the product? And that's a big selling point for our sellers is showing them a suite of services that thinks outside the box. And we look at every industry outside of real estate 
to understand how we can market within real estate. Because people that are buying million-dollar apartments are also buying high-end luxury items in other markets. And, and we want to see how they are received there and bring that into our world. You know, it's interesting you say selling homes in the suburbs. I think I've sold three or $350 million worth of real estate in New York City in the 14 years. Maybe it's 400 by now. But I sold my first house, my first home uh, up in Riverdale, actually, um, just recently this month. And I'm so proud of that because yeah. I've never sold a house before. But Should to be. your point before, <clears throat> it's cake. You sell a house, you get a contract signed, you have an inspection done, and you sit and uh, wait for the closing. It's easy. There's not too much competition. The pro, you know, There's no co-op board. There's no applications. No, it, it's, if yeah. I can do that every day it's with dream, a consistency, right? that would be amazing. We've got a couple of minutes left of the segment, but at Bold, you promote owner advocacy. What is this approach? I mean, what do your agents do for this? You know, the owner advocacy, this specific concept really falls more on our developer relationships. You know, we have a very large portfolio of developers that we work with and we represent their buildings exclusively. And it comes down to, do you have the right person in each and every one of your units when the consumer comes by to look at it to advocate on your behalf? As opposed to the open door policy that a lot of management and development companies have of let every broker come in, do their thing, and hopefully one sticks. You know, we promote, you need somebody in that unit telling the consumer and their broker that there's nothing else like this. Don't leverage this off of the building next door. This is your home. This is where you need to be. And how do you find your agents respond to that kind of approach? They respond well to it. Our developers respond well to it. We ultimately get higher prices and quicker absorption because of that approach. Interesting. So like many companies today in our industry, technology is key. And again, we're going to go to break in a few seconds. But how have you transformed antiquated real estate processes, as I call them? Because when I first started in this business, short of, you know, cue cards, I mean, it was amazing, you know, what went on. And services to become more digital because we are in the digital era in 2016. And it's a Herculean effort to get from here to there. Right. But you guys have done it successfully. So have met several other companies in town. What 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 is the we, key? We there? don't we don't start our our pitches with technology. It should be a given. It's 2016 to think that you are a firm without technology. You're crazy. We say we technically are human. Technology can never replace the human element in New York real estate. We have technology to facilitate every aspect of the transaction. There's nothing you should be doing with paper. There's nothing you can't do on your iPhone or on your tablet. Um, so making sure that our consumer and our agents had every tool in the book for technology purposes to facilitate things faster. But the computer and algorithm is not going to price an apartment for you. It's not going to open a door and, 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 and give the right pitch on that unit. It's not going to understand a relationship, exactly. So like we're competing in a world where it should be a given. Why are we, why are we toting technology um, just because our industry was behind doesn't mean it shouldn't be the norm now. Let's, take, let's hold it right there. We'll come right back after this break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Jordan Sachs from Bold New York City, and we're talking about his firm and how they differentiate themselves in this land of super competition, boutique, midsize, and large companies. Jordan, we we went to break talking a little bit about um, the industry and how technology is key, and we talked about how you don't necessarily have to lead with technology because it's it's kind of assumed that it's there. Everybody has it, et cetera. Some do it better than others, but for the most part, it's there. But do you guys have any specific or specialized tools that you use or that your agents use that uh, help them get their jobs done better in, in, in a day or a week or whatever? Sure. I think there's two, um, two areas of focus for us in terms of technology um, that relates to the agent and the consumer together. First being the ability to communicate with the um, buyer, seller, renter in terms of home price values understanding the market, comparable reports. We have a very intuitive um, proprietary program that allows for sharing between you and your, and your client um, and exploring the inventory together. You know, providing a folder that here's all the listings that I believe look that that are are for you. Let's go online. We can get onto a chat together that will allow us to be real time communicating on each listing. And then you you want to narrow it down on a, on a specific unit. We can then talk about the, the market and the sub market around it. We can look at the home values around it and start understanding where does this thing fall in pricing. Um, that has been a very big tool for us. And it has allowed for quicker communication as opposed mm-hmm. to sending listings, waiting to hear back, mm-hmm. and then we go back and forth for a week. Um, our second suite, so to speak, of tools that, that has been beneficial is the just the the transactional side of the business. It's file uploading. It's receiving financials from from your client in the way that they have. It's a link that goes to an automatic upload that securely emails the agent with a, per, a perfect PDF of all the supporting documents, etc. Most of our technology really relates to a lot of the minutia of communication back and forth with your client. So whether that's, I need your financials or let's review a home, how we can make that as simple and as easy as possible and do that from whether you're sitting in Starbucks with your client yeah. or you're at home. Yeah, very interesting. So um, in the world of real estate <clears throat> development, now you guys get involved with, with developers. You've got some some projects. Do you want to talk a little bit about the projects that you are currently involved in? Sure. Because that, that's important um, for our listening audience. And by the way, we are we broadcast around the world, so right. all of this information goes all over the place. That's wonderful. We have... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on two projects specifically, one rental and one for sale. We have a, a wonderful uh, large rental project at 605 West 42nd Street, also called Sky, um, developed by the Moynian Group and, the, and done with uh, the Rockwell Group. Um, about 1,175 units, 70,000 square feet of amenity space. Lifetime Fitness is the is the amenity operator, which is a national gym um, phenomenal group of people. Um, beautifully appointed condo finishes, light and air like you've never seen, 70 stories tall, um, in the in, in a really reasonable price point for that market. Um, 
So I, I, I strongly suggest everybody go look goes uh, you know online and checks that out. And then our second project that um, just came to market two weeks ago, we're starting to tease it, should I say, is at 533 Leonard in Greenpoint, really on the very cusp of Greenpoint in Williamsburg, um, about a block north of McCarran Park. And we have mostly two and three bedrooms, a beautiful Polish social hall conversion, um, 14 to 16 foot ceiling heights, units ranging from 1,200 to 1,700 square feet, price point, um, you know, one six to two eight in those areas. Um, really wonderful stuff. So my question is, based on your success or, or you know, pending you know, future success in the development arena, so how does a mid-sized firm such as Bold New York City get a huge building like Sky or 533 Leonard. I mean, what is your differentiator when you're out there talking to the developers when, of course, everybody else, you know, is trying to get in there on that action? Sure. Um, you know, it kind of starts back with the, with the the world we live in in terms of technology. Um, I think technology has leveled the playing field for everybody. You know, no longer are the days of I need to spend $100,000 in New York Times ads to compete on the weekends. Now my reach is just as broad and just as it could be as macro or micro as we need it to be to the consumer. And working with a boutique firm, there's just a special level of service. It's it's getting the principles at every meeting. It's, you know, we don't have $4.5 billion in condo pipeline right now in which we are more worried about the billion-dollar sellout than we are the $30 million sellout. And that goes a long way to developers. You know, looking at a firm that says we have not too much, but we have enough, and we can play in that sandbox evenly has been a huge incentive for them to sign us up. And we're getting, it's it's harder work. It's a harder hustle. It's, it means more. And I know that that seems fluffy, but it goes a long way. No, no, no. I totally agree. So on the heels of that, tumbling land values, which have reached $1,000 or more per square foot for prime sites, a reflection are a reflection of the growing weakness in the city's high-end residential market. Developers had been willing to pay record sums for land as, as long as the apartments they built could fetch unprecedented sums. The payoff is no longer the same. The luxury market is down 15% from 2014. So how do the developers and the consumers you know, recover from this? Because that's a, not a huge drop, but it's, it's certainly an indication of things correcting. The, we are certainly in a correction. Um, very different than what we saw back in 2009 and 10. So let's not confuse the two. Right. The variables in the rest of the world are still in great shape. Um, we have too much inventory in called the seven million dollar and higher market, um, specifically in certain sub markets. So I think that we are going to see about a twelve, a six to twelve to maybe sixteen month um, hiccup, so to speak, in which. Um, these higher end units aren't going to move as quickly, which is the norm for us. We saw a very brief period where things were moving within 30 days of, of themselves, which was never the, the norm in our market. But why do you think that the, the higher tier, or the higher, or the what I call on this of this program, week by week, the Uber luxury seven, eight, nine, t- ten, twenty million dollar marketplace, which for a span of time, you know, was booming and was moving, and I think that's what incented developers to kind of create these apartment sizes right. that really didn't exist before so they can command the, the prices. You know, what has changed that? I mean, there's been so much talk about, you know, the Chinese market slowing down and, and, and the, the world economics, domestic economics as a whole kind of, you know, changing a bit. I mean, is it really that or is it that people are just saying, hey, you know what, you know, what is the value of a $20 million apartment? Why should I spend $18 million for a penthouse? Because it's got the pH in front of it, you know, penthouse. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of all of it, but what what is your impression of this? I think that it is a little bit of all of it. Um, I think the international markets aren't playing into the slowdown the way that we're talking about it. Mm. I think you take China, for example, and 
good market or bad market, they want their cash out of there. So I don't think that's, you know, I think that we're seeing developers that got a little bit, um, I don't want to use the word greedy, but a little bit um, out of their comfort zone and building high end luxury in, in locations that aren't necessarily considered prime and hoping that somebody's going to be willing to spend $20, $30 million there. So I think that it, it just comes down to these, these Uber buyers need to take a break and say, like, we're going to have to hold this thing for a little longer than we were expecting. If this was an investment and I thought I was going to flip this in six to 12 months after closing, that might not be the reality anymore. Maybe it's going to be two years after that. But I do think that 12 months from now, we will see it pick its pace back up. Well, I wanted to ask you, so uh, talking about that, so where do you see the market as a whole, whether it's whether it's the, the new development or the Uber, you know, expensive apartments or the resale marketplace? specifically the one to three to five million dollar apartments. Where do you see the overall uh, New York City marketplace moving in the next six to 12 months? Because there are a lot of fear out there, I think, or a lot of hesitation out there. Not that the world is collapsing, but just a lot of uncertainty at the moment as to where we're going. Let's let's segregate the Uber luxury high-end market from the rest of the market. Right. They're very, everything in their worlds are completely different. Correct. The one to call it $4 million purchaser today, their world is great. Their job growth has been consistent. Their bonuses have been up. We've increased job, full job sectors and moved into New York. Technology, I mean, tons of younger people making more money than we've ever seen. Interest mm-hmm. rates are historically low still. So the all of those variables are lending perfectly to that, to that buyer. And we're still lacking inventory. So nothing, in my opinion, is changing up to 4 or $5 million. There's a lack of inventory. There's a high demand. Those two things create a very strong market for us. The... Uber stuff is going to start coming down a little bit. I mean, if you're looking to buy at three thousand bucks a foot today, in four months that might that you might be online at twenty seven hundred bucks a foot. So developments, say for example, or or any, uh, let's use condo as an example. Um, that say four years ago were selling, you know, eleven hundred, twelve hundred a square foot. Uh, sellers and agents trying to push those numbers up to you know fourteen fifteen hundred dollars a square foot. You know, about a year ago, people were like, okay, fine. You know, it's it's still within reason. Today, I'm noticing you know around that that sweet spot of fourteen fifteen sixteen hundred a foot. People are kind of hesitating now. The value is there. Uh, growth from the day that these apartments first came on the market four, five, six, seven years ago. Uh, so the sellers would be making you know a nice. Uh, profit, good value there, but but buyers seem to be hesitating around that fourteen to seventeen hundred dollar mark uh, per per uh, square foot. So, I mean, anything interesting there going on, or is that just a overall you know perception of what's happening? I think it's an overall perception of what's happening. I think that the the mid level buyer is getting too wrapped up in price per square foot to some degree. I think you need to look at it as an absolute dollar amount. Mm-hmm. You know, for two and a half million bucks, can I get twelve hundred and fifty square feet? Yeah. It, that's really the question. Yeah. It's like. We can gauge price per square foot all day and look at historical values, but the the way the world works, it's going to continue to go up. Yeah. And your fifteen hundred square foot um, should be at eighteen hundred when you sell at some point. Again, developers are not creating more of that product, so it's it's in high demand, and it will continue to be in high demand unless we see some major market something happen that will bring that back down. Again. All right, let's flip that over to leasing because, as you mentioned earlier, you've got eleven hundred uh, unit apartment building. Bravo, by the way, that was a really good get. Thank you. Um, so how is the leasing of that building coming along? That leasing is coming along great. We're blending at <clears throat> roughly 87 bucks a foot, which is at the highest end of the market uh, across all of Manhattan. Um, and I think leasing in general is going to consistently stay strong. You know, As you do see a hiccup in the condo market, I think there will be a trickle-down effect from the conversation we're having about the highest end. Mm-hmm. It will ultimately trickle down to the, to the lower price point purchasers. And it's not necessarily a relevant conversation, but you, know, you can't, you know, minds work in a very uh, you know, specific way. So 
rentals will always be here. There's always demand to be here. Um, as our as New York continues to grow in terms of job growth, um, we'll never move away from rentals. We'll always have as large a rental platform as we can. All right, we've got a couple of minutes left. I want to turn the tables to Bold. So Bold New York, you know, almost shot out of a cannon, super successful, really doing well, uh, good reputation. Tell me a little bit about your growth, your future growth, where you intend to be. How many offices do you guys have now? We have two offices, one in uh, Manhattan in the NoHo area and one in Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are the type of brokerage that's growing based off our needs. You know, we've built a very large base to the mountain, so to speak, and in, in, in watching it rise. We are not one to open up as many locations as we can, build as many agents as we can. We don't want to lose sight of our, of our boutique qualities. I want, if we have 200 agents one day, I want you to feel like we have 50. Um, and we're just, you know, we're going a little bit where the wind takes us. We're hitting new submarkets that we never thought we'd be in. Jamaica, Queens, um, Astoria, Long Island City, maybe even Staten Island. Um, we're watching how the world works and we're flexible and nimble enough to kind of move with it. I kind of agree with grow when growth is necessary, not grow just for the sake of getting big. Uh, or having to have 100 agents or 200 agents. It's never, in my mind, it's never been about that. Similar to why, you know, I choose these days to work for a smaller company versus a larger company. It doesn't matter. Numbers really don't matter. It's really all about you. But that doesn't mean that you can't get to the success and the, and the profits and the value that you want to as a company and then eventually grow. You know, Absolutely. If, it, if that's necessary. We're not scared of growing. It's just about doing it smart and doing it right, not being the, the next brokerage that leaves the industry because they, you know, they spend too much money too quickly. Smart and doing it right. Everybody, we're talking to Jordan Sachs, Bold New York. Jordan, thank you so much thank for being here. Thank you so here. much for having we me. We appreciate it. Always, always out of time, unfortunately, but come back and see us again. Thank you. We're going to break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. Back to the show. 
All right, everybody, we are back. Thanks once again to Jordan Sachs from Bold New York. Great interview, great company on the move. So we're here now with the roundtable panel of superstar agents. Parul Brombat from Compass, Rachel Ultrilla, Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan, LeaseBreak.com, Deborah Hoffman, Town Residential, and our anchor, Niall Lundgren from Compass. Anchor. Anchor. And we are all here again. Isn't that nice? I love it. I'm tired this morning. I'm exhausted this morning. San Diego. What? You were in San Diego? No, keep it classy San Diego for anchor. Oh, keep it classy. <laughs> yeah, well, I never sleep on Monday nights anyway, but I mean, it's, I don't know I'm what exhausted it is. more this morning. Yeah, it's the weather. I didn't sleep either. Yeah. It's the weather. It's awful. Anyway, I wanted to start off with, you know, OLR does a little bit of a, an analysis from month to month, which of course- Tell you them know, what OLR is. Online listing- I don't know. Online residential. Online, Online residential. residential. Okay. It's the, listing, it's the listing service that all brokers, most brokers in New York City use. And believe this or not, I'm always so occupied and preoccupied and busy that I only realized about three or four months ago that they, on the first page, on the you know the home page, that they have all this wonderful data and information. True. So I finally found it the other day. And I wanted to say from the period between February 25th and March 24th, which is just last week, the average listed price of an apartment in New York or or home is $2,650,000. $2, I thought that was amazing. For the average listed price, the median listing price was one million seven fifty five. The number of properties sold within la- that last month period was six hundred and fifty six. Listings taken off the market, interestingly, six hundred and two properties taken off the market in the last month. Okay. New listings, on the flip side of that, fourteen hundred and thirty eight contracts signed within the last month, nine hundred and forty three. The listing inventory, now everybody thinks, especially when I'm working with buyers, well, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of apartments to see out there, so why can't we see 50 in a day? There's only (laughs) 6,874 apartments on the market currently in New York City. New York City. Actually, that's a lot because a year ago it was 4,000 something. It's up. I was going to say it's up from last year. It's still limited, but it's up from last year. And the average price per square foot is $1,720. Not crazy. Across the board, condo and co-op, $1,720. And listings with price drops. People dropping their prices over the last month, 597 listings dropped their prices in the last 30 days. Good. Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> well, because there's too many. There's still too many overpriced listings out there. True, listings. that's why they're not With moving. That's why they're not selling. The, the, the I, average price. I agree, but you know what? I just reduced the price. Well, not just two weeks ago. I reduced the price on one of my listings. I didn't want to because I didn't, didn't think it was overpriced, and it's still on the market. I don't want to blame just the pricing. I think buyers are too scared. It's a bunch mm-hmm. of things, I really, and it's I, not I agree necessarily at this point right now, yeah. and I think that's why I'm so tired because I just didn't sleep well last night. But I'm at a point where the last round of open houses, I did realize I felt the energy of these buyers. They just are so hesitant to commit. Yeah, And well, so it's not fair to blame just the pricing and the sellers, I feel like. Well, I think, to, to your point, I think that when... I think that when we see a slowdown and and everybody wants to jump to prices, you're right. It's not mm-hmm. always the prices, but I mm-hmm. think the, the buyers want to blame the price because they don't know what else to blame. They want leverage to get a deal. Correct. You know what? Ultimately, mm-hmm. I think it always does come down to price. Ultimately. Ultimately. So, so in yeah. other words, I always look at it like there are always serious buyers out there, no matter what the market. Even when the market was, if you remember, 2008 to like the first half of 2009 when it was like, quote unquote, dead. Um, if you drop the price enough. Deader than dead. Deader than dead. But if you drop the price enough. It would sell because I mean the people in my office that were selling stuff now. Correct. I mean the prices were were getting really really crushed. But I do think ultimately when things are like, because people aren't buying, it 
it's the price. I do think it's the price, you know? Ultimately, well, it's going to be the price. Had, ultimately, there's a, always a price at which somebody will buy. I had a, a best and final last week in Brooklyn, and one was all cash over ask. The other one was financing, started low below ask. At the best and final, the person financing who was below ask refused to increase their offer. Just refused. Knowing that the recent comp was much higher in I'm the building. I'm seeing that a lot. Knowing that I had over asking in a best and final because I relayed, I guided the broker accordingly. And a week later, he called me and said the buyer is now ready to increase their offer to asking. So the difference of six months ago was that people made moves in 24 to 48 hours. And now they got to <coughs> think about it a week. They got to see other properties. They got to do their due diligence. They're just not moving as fast. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Like you're in a best and final, you start in at 550. Why wouldn't you go to 560? Just something, make a movement well, to yeah, show I, I, that you every want bar it. Is in, I mean, I, I'm sure what you said could totally be true, but um, but just in general, so, bars are in different stages of their process. So like I've had that too, where you have mm-hmm. a bidding war and you're from the <laughs> seller's perspective, you're mm-hmm. like, you know that these guys, or you think they're going to come up in price, mm-hmm. and they don't, you know. But then when you're on the buyer side, you realize maybe this buy just started looking, you know, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, you know, and they're That's just not, true. they're just not educated yet. So sometimes, like you, you might think that it's the market, or I can't believe it, but sometimes it's just the buyers early in their process, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying in that yeah. situation that yeah, might not be sure. the case. And but, a lot of times, <laughs> those buyers have to lose out on deals. You know, right? you have, yes. they, they almost have to, you have to, have to right? go through that, and you have to mm-hmm. say, "Well, I'm not going to go up anymore," and then they lose, and they're like, "Oh man." And then the next time they're going to be smart mm-hmm. and then they're right. going to be the one who's bidding up or, mm-hmm. or going, coming in to ask. Right. And then there's that other person <laughs> who's, you know, three weeks behind that, <laughs> right. that bidder and they're, totally. and they're like, well, I'm not coming they're, up they're, either. They're 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 process. Or yeah. I keep thinking yeah. of your story from last week, Niall. Yeah. The one with the guy who seriously underbid yeah. because he had something in his mind. And I don't think he's the only one. I've, I've thought about this all week. I could not get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I have an she update can't get on you that. out of her head. Absolutely. Give, give us the update. <laughs> well, we, we, we actually got an accepted offer. And then, you know, we talked about it's all price. And uh, it, it does come down to price. But I think we had an accepted offer at a very low number. Um, it was originally listed at 1.2. We had an accepted offer at 820. And I just got an email. But there's a story with that. Yeah. That's what I couldn't get out of my head. That's an well, absolute amazing story. When he told it last week, I can't, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. That it's, story. It's true. And I got an email yeah. literally right as I was walking in here. We were supposed to have the deal sheet out today. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to go down. You know, he's he has reservations about it. On the a buyer? Number, uh, yeah, on a number of different levels. We had a home inspector in, and this and that. Is he, and a, is he a first-time buyer? First-time buyer, mm-hmm. yeah. That's always mm-hmm. first-time mm-hmm. buyer. I got an yep. offer this oh, morning on a first-time buyer. Not yep. too bad, though. Not too yep. far off asking. Anyway, moving on with that and continuing with the topic, New York City's real estate market is showing telltale signs of slowing after an extraordinary three-year run where we saw the median home price in the borough of Manhattan climb to a record high of 1.15. We just said earlier in the news items, 1.75. For all of New York City, 1.15 for Manhattan, up from $800,000. The permission centers on residential development sites amid concerns. The city is overstuffed with high-end apartments. Do you agree? And how has the luxury glut affected our market here in Manhattan? Now, Jordan talked a little bit about that, too, on the upper $7 million and, and upper uh Price points, you know, it's it's kind of slowed down. But, you know, listen, I think the trickle-down <clears> effect <throat> to where a lot of us play in the $1 to $5 million range, you know, the $800,000 range. I mean, do you see the the overall market here in Manhattan being affected because of that 
slow down on the the luxury end. We talked last year, all of last year, about the you know, luxury Uber Uber apartments. All these. I don't high know prices. if it's a trickle down necessarily. I think that. It's interesting. It's like there's always these different factors that are sort of pushing and pulling on our market space. And sometimes it's a trickle down. Sometimes it's the top market that's affected. Sometimes it's the lower markets. I think it's all the markets that are affected, I think, by so many extraneous things, such as the political environment, such as the stock market, such as the value of the dollar, which we've talked about before. But I think that there's all of these different things. And there's also a market cycle that's happening. So I don't know if I, I don't know if I would call it a trickle down from the the luxury market not doing well um, in, at the moment, or at least not, I shouldn't say not doing well, but just slowing down a bit. So good, getting back to what Rachel said earlier, so a fear of uncertainty potentially, yeah. in addition to maybe a little trickle down, but fear of uncertainty, not necessarily knowing where we're going politically, economically, right. you know, world issues, you know. And, and also I think that there's just a feeling of like, you know, there was a tidal wave in like 2014 towards the end of it where it's like, as Rachel was saying, like people were just jumping in, and yeah. and and I think there's almost a feeling of there's enough inventory, and if there isn't something that somebody loves, they're willing to wait and see of what comes up. But there's just that sort of a sluggish feeling overall in the environment. Yeah, I don't. I well, don't I'm, I'm hear you talk. Say, I'm just going to say, afford, we hear affordable, affordable, affordable mm-hmm. a lot, and I think that's there's like a backlash to mm-hmm. that luxury yes, market because most people are like so frustrated um, with the lack of housing. And so I feel like it was a, it was inevitable for this to happen. But Deb, what well, were you no, saying? I was, I was just going to say, tying all of this together, I've always believed very unscientifically that the mm-hmm. real estate market is driven on gossip. Whatever's been in the papers, and mm-hmm. honestly, for the last two years, what has every headline be? The page six syndrome. The, well, it is, but yeah, it's also yeah. $60 million sold, $50 million. Yeah. So let's think back to yeah. the people who were $1.5 million yeah. or $2 million and under. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking, well— I'm just, you know, they're just reading the headlines and they're, they're just starting to think about putting their homes on the market, not the buy side, but the sell side. And they're thinking, well, if they're getting this much, I could definitely up my prices. There's a lot mm-hmm. of that. And there was a lot of that going on. <laughs> and then on the flip side, again, tying this together, what Rachel just said about buyers being frustrated because they're reading that too, but they're saying, well, how about me? I want to buy a 1.2 million, but there's nothing there. But remember, the sellers are holding on because, well, I'm going to, uh, Price it much higher. And as you just said, Vince, all those price drops. All those price drops. Because people, those are the real sellers who are kind of saying, uh oh. Mm-hmm. I can I go back 14 also- years ago and remember how the press really drove the markets when I was a brand new agent. I remember getting so furious with the New York Times at the time because they were the, the leaders of the pack. I mean, the Wall Street Journal really wasn't that much into real estate at that time. But I used to get so furious at the New York Times. It's a grand market. It's a bad market. The market is crashing. The market yeah. is rising. The market oh, my is, God. And, all and the it, bubble talk. Remember the bubble talk? Absolutely. And, you know, that had a direct effect on what buyers did or sellers absolutely all the time, 100% of the time. Agreed. So yes. you're right. I agree with you, Deborah. Yep. We'll talk about uncertainty, too. Let's just talk about, you know, 2009, 2010. There was a ton of uncertainty mm-hmm. then. And the, and the folks that actually had the courage to buy at that time are doing pretty well right now. Made out like and I have to tell you, two th- until yes, they did. two years ago, 2009 was my best year ever as, as a it real estate broker. It was mine too. 2009 it and 10 really were, was. were and bonanza I, years And these for were me. all bonanza. real deals. Yes, real they deals. They were people who really were serious about selling and the buyers were serious about buying. Yep. They Yes, they were looking for bargains and I had 
one out of every two calls were someone from Suffolk County, which is a county all the way out who, for those who are not, yes, exactly, out near the Hamptons, but not necessarily there, who were would call and they'd make a bid sight unseen on condos I was representing, half price. And they said, everyone's in distress. And I'd say, yeah. no, everyone is not in distress. Maybe in Maybe Suffolk, in Suffolk County. County. Not in my and, building. I didn't sell each, any yep. bargains. Well, nope. except for one, because some certain agent over there, Parul, beat me up and got her way. But we really did Standard. not sell yep. any, any bargains. He still we loves did. me. He still loves me. I do love you very much. <laughs> But the the simple fact of the matter is, you're right. I mean, it, it was one of those days where I mean, I but I I still look back at those times and I think, hopefully we don't go go anywhere near that again. But I think that those were my two best years. I mean, yep, it was me unbelievable because I think you know those the people who were really out there buying in those two year that two year period of time. Serious, serious, serious. And those are the kind of buyers that I wish we always had because you don't mm-hmm. waste your time with them. They know what they want. They go after it and they try and, and get. The sellers too. They and, were serious and, because they had to move for whatever reason. I had a bunch of people who worked for multinational corporations mm-hmm. who were being recalled to different parts of Europe. Yeah. And they had to sell. All right. Listen, we have to go to break. We are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back for our fourth and final segment, and I wanted to give uh, Phil Horrigan, who's our one of our panelists here, founder of LeaseBreak.com, a, a minute to give us some updates on that company. It's a, it's a very successful company. Give us a little bit of uh, sure. background to what it is, yeah. how it started, and where we are today with it. Sure. So what is LeaseBreak.com? LeaseBreak.com is an online rental marketplace focusing on rentals between 1 and 12 months. So as the agents on this panel know, that marketplace, or I'd say those kind of rentals are very difficult to find. But now we have one marketplace where everyone could post their rentals between one and 12 months. It's free to search. It's free to post a listing. And what kind of stuff do we have on there? We have 
lease breaks. We have landlords at post. Like a lot of landlords have short-term rentals. They focus on short-term rentals. Some landlords maybe are just focusing on the three or four-month marketplace, for example. We have a lot of, you might know, Furnace Quarters, Churchill. These are companies that focus exclusively on the short-term furnished marketplace. They're posting on our website. Um, you may have, agents may have a condo owner that goes to Florida for six months and they want to put their apartment on for six months. These are apartments that are very difficult to market because usually they're being kind of lost in a marketplace of rentals that are one year and more. But on our marketplace, we have all rentals that are between one and 12 months. Um, is, yeah. it, is it possible for someone to find a long-term rental you know, off of your website? Yes, for example, so, it may be listed as short-term, but hey, I like it so much, I want to renew and I want to stay for two more years. Right. So almost every listing on the website, you could renew the, the listing. So in other words, or the, the apartment. So you're there for three or four months, you want to stay longer, no problem. But on your point, Vince, another reason why we have a lot of inventory that's 12 months and more that's posted nowhere else is because often when someone's breaking their lease, the landlord will allow them to break their lease only if the tenant could find a new 12-month renter. So if you do like a Google search and type in lease break, or I want to break my lease, we come up number one. So we have people posting on our website, and they're often posting nowhere else. And this is inventory that you can't find anywhere else. So if there's agents out there or tenants looking for a 12-month rental, also look at our website because we have some inventory. Like let's say you're trying to get into a building that there's nothing available. There may be a lease break. Maybe there's 10 months left, 11 months left, or even 12 months left because someone has three months left and the landlord says, we'll let you get out of your three, you know, you have three months left. We'll let you get out of your lease, but you have to find a new 12-month renter. So we have those posted as well. It's an interesting website and, and a lot of my people do use it. Um, so how you know how do you kind of compare or do you to the Airbnb phenomenon that's in this town and actually all around the the, the country these days? Yeah. Do you compare it all to that? I mean, do so people, people call you for that kind of service as well? People have called us the Airbnb for the one to twelve month marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love that title so much. Um, I would say that we only have listings over 30 days. We don't allow you to post anything under 30 days. So we're not even getting tangled up into that law, which is you can't post things under 30 days. We don't even get into that. The other thing, though, is Airbnb, if you go on their website, you don't know the address. You know, you don't know what's going on. So a lot of landlords don't like that platform because tenants could post and they don't know if their tenants are posting on their website. On our website, it's all about 100% transparency. So all the exact addresses are posted. A landlord could, could go on there. Tenants could go on there. Agents could use it if they have, if they have clients and they want to you know, search for an apartment. They could see what these apartments are. Our assistant just used you this past week. Oh, great. I just wanted to let you know that awesome. um, we are using leasebreak.com for, for shorter. We use it all the time. All right, let's move on. So we're going to talk about another brick underground um, uh, fantasy question or lack of. So New York, New York. So they call, they named it twice according to that song, that famous you know Sinatra song. But if given the choice between New York City and another place, are New Yorkers in it for the long haul? Brick Underground asked several New Yorkers, would you rather stay in New York City forever or move someplace else? Stay in New York City forever or move someplace else. By coastal, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, my response is going to be by coastal. I don't think I could ever leave New York City, New York, okay, because of a whole bunch of reasons, but uh, definitely two places. But, you know, there, there, is, there, there is this percentage that says staying here and a percentage that says leaving. What do you think? Uh, people are diehard New Yorkers. 
diehard New Yorkers. I'm born and raised in New York, but I have to say I would go with leaving New York. Okay, Deborah. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, for sure. And <laughs> I even know you guys for sure in the Valley, really, really. <laughs> and and I know you guys want to be bi-coastal, but there's a reason I came here for college and stayed. Mm-hmm. It's a different vibe. And when I came, it was a scary city mm-hmm. in the late 70s. And living through that and now living through the glory days mm-hmm. and kind of a little hiccup there also. But I'm staying I'm really staying. Okay, Phil. Uh, A little bit of a long answer, but uh, so I've moved like 10 times roughly. I love Manhattan. I've been here now 15 years roughly. I would say if the question... If the, que- if the question has to do with, uh, we'll put you in one specific place other than New York City for the rest of your life, or New York City, and even mm-hmm. if I got to pick mm-hmm. that other place, mm-hmm. I would say New York City for the rest of my life, okay? But uh, if you said <laughs> you could live anywhere else and move as much as you want outside New York City and just basically travel the world, mm-hmm. then I would say that instead of being just in New York City for the rest of my life. Very if interesting. that answer makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sir, mm-hmm. good, answer, good answer. I know. I have an allure for San Diego and for Sydney because I'm a beach girl. Mm-hmm. So there's Sydney. a part of wow. me, yeah. There's a part of me that wants flight. to like, yeah, just wants to be in warm, eighty degree weather and beaches. But it's also sometimes I wonder if it's just a pipe dream. And let's face it, I've been here for a long time, and I don't see myself leaving anytime soon. So I don't yeah, know. It's it's let's, a hard let's question see what to the answer. Future, let's see what the future brings. Yeah. Yes. Niall. Yeah, this is a this is a good one. Uh, uh, you know, this is like a debate that happens on a daily basis. And it's Absolutely. also the chap- internal. And it's, it's the chapter <laughs> that you're in, right? Like yeah. whether yes. you're new in real estate, That's important. in the middle of your yeah. career, yeah. on the way up, or yeah. at the end, and you're on autopilot. Yeah, that's that's I think what encapsulates it. But so I know says, what he's going to say. It, he says is right. It yeah. is a it, for me also. Yeah. It's, an it's, a it's an internal yeah. debate yeah. every day. Every day. Because you're right. It's like you know, where are you in your career you know because it's tough when you build a whole business in new york and then you try and mm-hmm. leave you can't leave so as much as i say i would leave Bi- i yeah. can't leave yeah. business wise i can't yeah. leave that's yeah. that's the struggle for me. You can't sleep. <laughs> okay so the verdict from brick underground four to two Staying in New York. Of course. Four to yeah. two, staying yeah. in New York. No surprise. I mean, it's an amazing no, no place. Surprise. Half of them it. are trapped. And <laughs> half of them right. It's true. I'm, I'm, true. I'm trapped, trust me. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, anyway. half of the half were just yeah, this leave. morning. That's the side that won out. So yeah. <laughs> That's the side that won out. <laughs> okay, so New York City's real estate market may move fast at times, but the same can't be said for every property that's up for sale. Smart sellers know that in order to be competitive, you've got to put your best space forward. And that means no mounds of clothing stuffed into corners, no grit and grime in the bathroom, and definitely no dark or blurry iPhone photos populating a listing. I mean, really, we've Mm. all seen all of this stuff. While we all know about the benefits of physical staging, virtual renovations, or altering listing photos to show furnishings and other aesthetic choices not actually in the unit have also become an important instrument for many sellers and agents. So let's talk a little bit about virtual staging. Have any of you used virtual staging? Mm -hmm. When you see an apartment that is a disaster and no matter what you do, decluttering or trying to stage it is not going to work? Yes. And actually, one of the, this was not my doing, but I saw another broker. It was actually a couple years ago. It was a beautiful, about 4,800 square foot loft-like space. And what what he did was he posted side-by-side photos of the rendering or the virtual staging and the actual, what the unit looked like. So it was 
I thought it was brilliant because managing expectations of what people would see when they got there, so there wasn't a disappointment factor. And yet it showcased exactly what the space would look like. So that image was there of what could be. And I've seen the opposite. I've seen yeah. just people yeah. do just, just virtual staging. I, yeah. I think that's a unique idea, but just virtual staging. And they don't note that it's virtual staging. So you walk in with your buyer and you're like, okay, and the place is trashed. Or and empty. Or oh, empty. Yeah, or and you're like, wow. It's the disappointment happened? factor. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like online dating, right? Yeah. And I have to tell you something. I've used it twice, and both times it was a colossal failure. Both times it was an absolute really? nightmare. And I had in the listing text right up front, huh? this apartment is virtual staged in capital letters. Hmm. They walked in every time out of the box. And one in particular was on Riverside Drive in 91 and 90th Street, I think. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was an unbelievable nightmare. So, what did you do? Do you have to take out the virtual staging eventually? No, I left it. I mean, oh. <laughs> because everybody walked in and said, but but this this place is empty and it looks like it's so beautiful online. And I said, but, but if you read the text, and brokers also, by the way, not paying attention to I've reading I've never had that experience. No, most people, and I, most yeah, people yeah. have. But it. you know most what I do? Have. I've had great success with virtual staging and also the way our website shows you can't do it side by side because it's one big picture. So it's the virtually staged picture right. with the big letters saying virtually staged. Mm-hmm. Then the next one is the same room that's empty. Right. Yeah. Right. Then the next one's virtually staged right, in the right. same room that's that. empty. I like yeah. that. I like so that. Um, yeah. I actually I, I disagree though I've because I feel like yeah. then it may it actually it reinforces the virtual staging. It's sort of like when you're in, it's in your face like this is the empty apartment, this is the virtually staged apartment. I I disagree with that completely. Oh, but I want them to see I that. I only do virtual staging. Yeah. And guess what? It's because you want more traffic, right? You want no, more foot. It brings I want them more to people imagine in. what they could fit right. in there when they see the empty room. Right, but they get that when they walk in the apartment. No, they don't because a lot of people will say, well, I don't know how big my couch is. Right. I don't know if it'll fit on this wall. Right. All right, we're well, going we, to have yeah. to end it on that yeah. note. Unfortunately, <laughs> countdown 10 <laughs> seconds ago. That is Good Morning New York for this <laughs> week. Thank you for joining us. You can reach the sh- catch the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com or at vincerocco.com for all of us at Voice America all, all around, around the world. world. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. You name me host. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.